0: Welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric, or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. So we are going to uh, open up the scriptures and examine them for a little bit. So if you do have a Bible uh, with you or if you um, have the Bible on your phone, we are going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we are here the week of Christmas. Christmas is five days away. Can you believe it? Christmas Eve is four days away. Um, It seems like this year has been the longest year of my life but also the shortest year of my life, right? There's been so much packed into this year, um, so much drama, so many events, um, so much anxiety and stress, uh, but somehow we're here at the end of it. We're here at the end of the year, and we're just four or five days away from celebrating Christmas together as a church and as families, and this is the fourth and final week of Advent. As we've been taking the last four weeks and kind of in preparing our hearts for Christmas, preparing our hearts for Jesus to come to us and to redeem us. And this week in particular is the third week of our sermon series called The Way Home. And we spent the last two weeks talking about uh, how our home is with God and that Jesus has been uh, lived eternally with God in heaven and has come to earth in, in a human in human flesh to redeem us who are human, so that we can live with God forever. And we're actually gonna close up um, that series this uh, this week at Christmas Eve service, so I invite you to check in on that, either online or in person. Uh, But today, we're we're in our third week of that, uh, our third sermon in this series, and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit today, we're gonna shift our focus a little bit, and we're gonna talk about how we build our home. We're gonna talk about how we build this home with God. And in order to talk about that, I want us to get into the right frame of mind because we have this amazing passage in the first chapter of Luke um, about this announcement to Mary that she's going to be pregnant and have a baby. And uh, in order for us to get in the right frame of reference, right frame of mind for this passage, I want to I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about my own home and specifically those who are in my home, the people in my home. And even more specifically two people In my home These are my sons uh, My two children And uh Man, they're wonderful, aren't they? Uh, many of you know them, many of you have played with them, maybe you've seen them in nursery or you've seen them running around uh, the campus here at New Life, um, but many of you who are at worshiping at home or if you're uh, you know, new to New Life and maybe you're new members, you don't know uh, my family very well, these are my two boys. The one on the left, the blonde, is Augustine and he is three years old and he's a little firecracker as you can tell. And the one on the right the, with brown hair is Ambrose, and he is almost two years old. Uh, he's turning two in February, and they are amazing and wonderful little people. But as many of you know, uh, if you've had children, you know that the toddler years are simultaneously the best years and the hardest years of having children. So I live with two cavemen. That's what I live with. I live with these two just rambunctious, dirty, rotten cavemen um, who love to just make a mess of things and and ambrose loves to run around naked and the other day he squatted down and just did his business right there on the carpet so then i had to clean up um after my son like he was like he was a puppy who wasn't uh wasn't house trained yet but they're great kids i love them so much and uh something that's really impressive about my children and, and all children not just mine Um, but especially with Augustine, the older one, um, Ambrose isn't quite verbal, he doesn't have a lot of words yet. Uh, Augustine has a very large vocabulary. And what I'm really impressed by these guys, and especially Augustine, is their imagination and their imaginative play. So uh, Augustine will do things like, he loves to tell stories and make up stories. So there's this thing that that we do at my house. Um, Oftentimes when we sit down for dinner and have dinner together, Augustine will ask my wife Sarah for a story. And specifically, he'll ask for an Arthur the ant story. And Arthur the ant is just a character that he's made up it's it, just a character that and so we tell Arthur the ant stories we make up stories around the dinner table and oftentimes I'll we'll ask my wife Sarah or I to tell a story sometimes he'll tell a story but the other night he asked Sarah he said mama you know can you tell an Arthur the ant story and she goes well Augustine what, what's the title of the story that I should tell what is the story called that I'm going to tell and he goes Arthur the ant finds a leaf as big as data. That was, that was the title of the story. So my wife proceeded to tell a story of Arthur the ant finding a leaf as large as me. And, but Augustine also has this great imagination when we play with Legos and those types of things. He always wants to build new things like helicopters and, and, uh, and, and dinosaurs and dump trucks and, and uh, forklifts and those types of things. He just, he just wants to play all these different kinds of games. Right now, my mother sent uh, us a care package for this week, um, for Christmas this weekend. Uh, one, one of the things that we got were these felt, these giant felt gingerbread men cutouts that we can, the boys can put the little faces and buttons on them. And so he likes to make his gingerbread man and go and put it in the oven, right? Which is a shelf, a bookshelf in our house. Uh, he puts it in the oven and then it, you know, comes alive and starts running around just like the story. But he just plays these imaginative games. And there's something about kids that they just have these huge imaginations that adults don't have. The world is so much bigger and there are so many more possibilities to kids than for adults. A little while ago, one of the things that was making Augustine a little nervous um, is that he thought that there were gonna be alligators in his room. And I would tell him, you know, hey buddy, there are no alligators up here. alligators don't live up here, it's too cold. There are no alligators in his room, but in his imagination, that was a possibility. Even though me, in my wisdom, even though I'm relatively young, I knew, I just know that alligators don't live up here unless they're in a zoo. But of course, he doesn't know that. The world is so much bigger and so much more enchanted. And it's a more magical place for kids, isn't it? They have these amazing imaginations And for children, there are so many more possibilities than for adults. Of course, as adults, we've grown and we have more experience. We're more deeply rooted in reality. Uh, And so, of course, for us, there are fewer possibilities of what can happen and what will happen. In this story today, we hear about a young girl, about 13 or 14 years old. And at this time in a young person's life, Although they are a little bit more deeply rooted in reality, teenagers still have really great imaginations. And there are still a lot more possibilities. The world is still a more magical place for teenagers. And we're gonna hear about this young woman who hears something that is seemingly impossible. And for her, it's a possibility. Because she trusts what she hears. She trusts in the Lord. So let's jump into this passage. This is the announcement of Mary's pregnancy to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So we start this story here in Luke chapter one, verse 26, and it begins in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. And so we, of course, should ask the question, the sixth month of what? This story, in Luke chapter one, is tied to the story that happens directly before it, which is the story of an older couple that's related to Mary, uh, named Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth and Mary, their cousins, And they are much, much older. So Elizabeth and Zechariah are probably in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. They're they're quite old, well past childbearing age. And uh, Zechariah is a priest in the temple, and the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, Hey, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to be pregnant. She's going to have a son, and he's going to pave the way for the Messiah. And of course, he can't believe this. This is amazing. But sure enough... Elizabeth, well past childbearing age, well past any biological possibility that she could be pregnant, is in fact pregnant. And this story happens in the sixth month of that pregnancy. So that's why it starts out here in the sixth month. Now we'll talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth a little bit more later because these two stories are set to be um, contrasted with each other. They're designed to be heard together. So we're gonna circle back around, we're gonna hear about Zechariah and Elizabeth here in a little bit. So the angel Gabriel comes to uh, a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin who is engaged to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name is Mary. So do we get introduced to this young lady named Mary, and we can guess that she's probably around 13, 14 years old. In this culture, uh, when uh, a, girl, a girl becomes a woman when she gets her first cycle and be, is able to bear children. And that's usually when these young ladies would be married to men. That's, that's about the time that they would get married. So Mary is probably 13 or 14 years old. So very, very young still. And she has not had intercourse. She is simply engaged to Joseph. And this is the story that starts off. And this is what the angel says to her. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, this is the first of three proclamations that we're going to hear the angel make to Mary. This is the first one. Greetings, favored one. The first proclamation is, the Lord is with you. That's a pretty special thing to hear, isn't it? That must be pretty amazing for this spiritual being to show up in your room and tell you that you are favored by God and that he is with you. This is a pretty incredible proclamation. And this is how Mary responds. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. So not only does this spiritual being show up in her room and tell her that she's favored, but she's perplexed by it. And as I was studying this text and as I was thinking about it this week, it it took me a little while to wrap my head around this. And, And what I think this response might be is similar to, you know when someone comes up to you and they're like really nice to you and you're a little suspicious. Of what they want, right? Hey, you know, I see that you have that really nice clean truck, that brand new Chevy 2500. I got to move next week. Do you think you could help me out, right? When someone comes to us and they are very kind to us and complimentary of us, sometimes we're a little hesitant, aren't we? Because usually that's followed by a request of some sort. Hey, you're really good at um, at cooking or you're really good at sewing. Hey, can you do this thing for me? Can you do me this favor? And I wonder if that's not what's happening here with Mary. Uh, yes, she's perplexed by this miraculous event that's happened before her, but she's like wondering what's the deal? Why is this happening to her and what does you know, what's, what's the catch here of why the angel is coming to her and speaking to her in this way? Let's continue in this proclamation. This is the second proclamation that Mary hears from the angel. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the second proclamation. Mary, even though you are a virgin, you are, going to, you are pregnant, and you are going to give birth to a son. Not only are you going to give birth to a son, but this son is the long-awaited Messiah. All the hopes and dreams that your people have are going to be fulfilled in Jesus. Everything that you've longed for, all the stories that you've been told, all the religious ceremonies that you've had, they're going to find their fulfillment in this young boy that you are pregnant with. He is going to be the king of Israel. He's going to be the king of the world. He's going to rule mightily. And Mary knows the scriptures. She knows all the implications of this from all the prophets of the Old Testament. Again... This is a pretty amazing proclamation, but this proclamation is more amazing than the previous one because this one is not possible, right? It is not biologically possible for this to happen. She has never had intercourse. There is no way that she is pregnant. And so Mary asks the question. This is her response. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now this question, how can this be? This is a question of, she's asking, how will this happen? How is this going to happen? She's, she's not really questioning that she's going to have a baby. She's not really questioning that the baby's going to be uh, the Lord, the Messiah. But she's asking, how? How will this happen since I am a virgin? She trusts the Lord, when the Lord says to her that she is, gonna, that she is pregnant, that she's going to be pregnant, and she's going to have the Messiah, but she just doesn't know how that's going to happen. That's a pretty good response, I think, right? And if, this is a much different response to that of Zechariah. Remember, this is the, the husband of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. When Zechariah was in the temple and he was serving the Lord in the temple, uh, the angel appeared to him and said that his wife was going to be pregnant even though it was a biological impossibility and Zechariah had a much different response. Let's look at his response. This is back in verse 18 of Luke chapter one, the story before. This is what Zechariah says to the angel. How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. Zechariah, when he's told about his wife's miraculous pregnancy, says, how will I know that this is so? Mary, when she's told of her own miraculous present pregnancy, says, how can this be? Or how will this happen? Do you notice a difference there? It's a little subtle, but Mary doesn't really question the truth of what the angel says. She just wants to know how it's going to happen. Zechariah, on the other hand, much older than Elizabeth, much more experienced, much more deeply rooted in reality, says, how will I know that this is going to happen? Zechariah essentially asks the angel to prove it. He says, hey, you're saying this miraculous thing, but I need to know that this is going to happen show me how this is going to happen. I need to understand this thing. Mary doesn't put that same requirement. She says, how is this going to happen? Zechariah says, how will I know that this is true? You see, Zechariah, in his old age and in his wisdom and experience, he knew that this cannot be true. And so he needs proof. He needs that extra little bit to help him understand, to help him wrap his mind around this. Because you see, this is what happens as we grow older. As we grow older, we become more deeply rooted in reality, and our world becomes smaller. And not to uh, date you, Pastor Ben, but I do—I don't remember getting big magazines of J.C. Penney. In fact, I don't even really remember J.C. Penney being a store. Right? They were—they were all closed uh, as I was growing up. But as we get older, and some of us are much more experienced and have many more years under our belts than some of us in this room, we just get more deeply rooted in reality. But even my wife and I, you know, we're almost 30 years old, and even we ourselves had this conversation where we feel like we're so cynical. We feel like we're so negative about the possibilities of the world, especially after this year with so much darkness and so much division and so much hate. It's easy for us to become closed off. That's exactly what Zechariah is experiencing. You see, Zechariah, he's too smart to believe that his wife can be pregnant. He's too wise to believe that his wife could be pregnant. Mary, on the other hand, she hears the word of the Lord, she hears the proclamation, and she trusts it, and she trusts it. This passage continues. The angel said to her, we're back now with Mary. Uh, later in verse 35 this is is the angel's response to her question how will this be how will this happen the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God and now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren for nothing will be impossible with God so the Holy Spirit gives her the answer. The way that you're gonna be pregnant is by the Holy Spirit. You have not had intercourse with a man, it will not be a natural kind of pregnancy. But the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, the Holy Spirit will create this baby, will create the Messiah within you, and you will give birth to him as a human. And he will be called the Son of God. And then he continues on, this is getting more and more unbelievable, right, as, this, as these proclamations go on. And he says, he, he tells Mary, he tells Mary that Elizabeth is in fact pregnant. And that Elizabeth, well into her old age, who was said to be barren, well, well past biological ability to be able to bear a child, is now pregnant. And then he makes this proclamation, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this is Mary's response. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me, according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Mary had total trust in what the Lord said. Zechariah did not have trust in what the Lord said. This week, this Christmas season, we're gonna be hearing a lot of promises. We're gonna be hearing promises that God is with us, that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We hear that God has moved into our neighborhood in Jesus, that he has become like one of us, that he has redeemed us, that our sins are forgiven, that we are free from our guilt and our shame, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love our neighbors well, that we are given peace and self-control and confidence and discipline in the Holy Spirit. And for many of us, we are much too experienced to know, uh, to believe some of those things. Because my sin has real world consequences, doesn't it? My mistakes have real world consequences. And so sometimes it seems pretty hard to believe that God would just forgive us for them. It seems hard for us to believe that God would forgive us our sins without there being a catch. It seems hard for us to believe that God is with us when we're so fearful of our neighbor who has a different political ideology or a different skin color or a different culture. It's hard for us to believe that God is with us and gives us peace when we're so anxiety-stricken because of the pandemic. We feel like we're smarter than God. We know better than he does because we hear these proclamations, we hear these promises, and it's all too good to be true. It's all too good for us to believe. So my invitation to you is to be more like a kid. In fact, there's this great story in Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus, he brings a young child uh, to him and he sets the child on his knee and he tells the disciples, unless you become like this child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We all need to be a little bit more childlike. We all need to reject our own cynicism a little bit. We need to reject our own little version of reality that we've created and know that it is so much greater because of what God has done. God is creating a new world for us. He's creating a new heaven and a new earth that we get to inhabit with him forever. And he offers us little pieces of it now. He gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, to give us the peace and the patience that we need to move forward. He gives us the power to be faithful to him and to love our neighbors and it all seems too good to be true. This week, don't be deaf to those promises. Listen to them and be like Mary. Trust in them. Know that God is telling you the truth. And know that God does not lie to us. God loves you so much. He's for, he forgives you your sins. He gives you his Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is trust. All we have to do is be like a child. So this home that we have with Jesus, this home is built on trust. That's what faith is. It's trusting that God is gonna do what he says he's gonna do. So let's be a little childish this week, huh? Let's trust when the Lord says something to us. Let's trust in his promises. Show